This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. For many college graduates, transitioning to a rewarding career can be a challenge. Are colleges really preparing students for success in the professional world? We'll hear from a top educator. People are going to come out of school and the world is changing so quickly that really what we need to do is teach people how to learn how to really respond to an ever-changing environment. Then, nationwide food poisoning infections have increased as diagnostic tools have improved. An expert has helpful advice to avoid becoming the next victim. Salmonella and Campylobacter are the two biggies. There are over a million consumers who get sick from Salmonella each year and over a million get sick from Campylobacter each year. Those two stories and more are ahead on this week's show. Stay tuned. InfoTrack begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. Are colleges and universities really preparing young people for success in the professional world? If not, what skills and thought processes should be added to the curriculum? With the story, here's InfoTrack's Roy Mackey. Roy? Thank you, Chris. Tina Selig is the author of the classic book, What I Wish I Knew When I Was 20, a crash course on making your place in the world. She's also the faculty director of Stanford Technology Ventures Program, which is the entrepreneurship center within the School of Engineering at Stanford University. So, Professor Selig, for those who aren't familiar with your book, it offers some wise advice for young people who are making a transition from school into a career. And I think the opening story in your book is a really inspiring one, so tell us a bit about that. Yeah, it's actually a pretty provocative story, and I didn't know how it was going to turn out until I gave the assignment. Essentially, I wanted to create an experience for my students to see what it was like to be entrepreneurial. And I gave them envelopes. Each envelope had $5 in it, that's all. And the students had as much time as they wanted to brainstorm over a couple of days. But as soon as they opened the envelope, they had two hours to figure out how to make as much money as possible, starting with the $5. And the thing that is so wonderful about this story is that, you know, I knew there were simple things they could do, like a lemonade stand and a car wash. But the teams that really blew my socks off were those who realized that the $5 was actually a limitation. And they realized that their two hours of time were much more valuable and ended up doing some truly innovative and provocative things. And what was your favorite of those provocative things? Well, there were so many of them. And most of them were situations where they found that there was an opportunity sitting right in front of them. I guess one example would be the team that set up a bike hire pump station in the middle of campus. They realized that everyone was driving around with bicycles that needed to get pumped up. And so they first started charging students a dollar to get air put in their tires. But halfway through the two hours, they decided to experiment and said, you know what, we'll do this for free and ask for donations. And guess what? People gave them a lot more. So at the end of two hours, they had more than $200 just from setting up a a stand in the middle of campus. And they walked away realizing that opportunities are everywhere. All you have to do is pay attention and put a little bit of effort and you end up being able to really seize those opportunities. Most of us would like to forget about our failures and just move on, but you have a different take on that. You bet. I feel really strongly about mining your failures for insight. I have my students write failure resumes. That is all their biggest screw-ups, 
personal, professional, and academic. And in fact, it's funny because I gave an early version of a book to one of my students to read, and she said, wow, this is really interesting. I'd love to see one of these. So I thought, well, gee, whose do I put in? <laughs> do I do my husband's? And I realized I've got to put my own. So I created my own failure resume and put it in the book. And I honestly keep this up to date in my own life. I don't always write everything down, but whenever I make a mistake, I think, okay, what did I learn from this? And not only does it allow me to essentially put the mistake behind me, but I really move forward knowing I'll do things differently. I think one of the most useful lessons in your book for not only 20-year-olds, but obviously for anyone, is going beyond what is expected. Tell us why that is so powerful. Oh, gosh. You know, we're in schools and in work situations where often we're given very specific guidelines about what we're supposed to do. And I've realized that people are waiting for permission to be amazing. One of my favorite lessons for my students is that they should never miss an opportunity to be fabulous. You know, if you're not going to do your best job now, when are you going to do it? And I tell them that I'm happy to give everyone an A in the class, but the bar is really high. And what happens is that people just continue to deliver more and more and more. I think we're all waiting, really waiting for permission to do our very best work and to really shine. And it's something that I really take to heart and also really find that people are so motivated when they're given an open-ended problem without one right answer to really, really push the limits of their own ability. Our guest on InfoTrack is Tina Selig, the author of the classic book, What I Wish I Knew When I Was 20. And we're getting some wise advice from Tina on what young people need to know when they leave college and enter the workplace. There are many people in the world who look at successful people and they say, well, it was mostly luck. Uh, talk for a moment about that concept of luck. Yeah, I'm fascinated by luck. In fact, I did a TED Talk recently that's gotten quite a bit of attention about how to be lucky. And the thing I realized is that luck is something that you make for yourself. And there are lots of ways to become luckier. One of the things I feel very strongly about is that lucky people take tiny risks every single day. They might be social risks, emotional risks, physical risks financial risk. And these little risks, the results start adding up. Because if you're successful by taking that risk, you put a little bit more down and a little bit more down, a little more down. And pretty soon you've accomplished much more than someone who sat by themselves not doing anything. I have so many examples in my own life. And if you look at the lives of people who've been successful, you'll see they took risks. And I'm not talking about big risks, like jumping off a bridge or investing a million dollars. There's small risks, like introducing yourself to someone new or looking at a problem, you know, in a slightly different way. And it really does result in your becoming much more lucky in the long run. What are your thoughts on how well our nation's higher education system is preparing young people to succeed once they enter the real world? Wow, that's a really, really hard question. Essentially, I think the biggest problem is, and we all know this, is that people are going to come out of school and the world has changed so quickly that Really what we need to do is teach people how to learn. We need to teach people how to really respond to an ever-changing environment. And so instead of giving problems with one right answer, you know, multiple choice tests, which are easy to grade, of course, but they're not easy in terms of preparing people for the lives they really need to live in the future. I love being able to give students very broad, open-ended problems. In fact, it's funny because most of the problems I give my students you might laugh are one-word prompts. They're words like, 
memory or time or money or sleep, and I give them essentially a general direction to go, they have to spend time framing the problem they want to solve in this domain and then brainstorming to come up with hundreds of solutions. As opposed to giving them a very specific assignment, I think the thing that prepares people for a life outside of school is giving people really open-ended challenges that allow them to define the problem. Interesting. So what has changed over the past 10 years that caused you to update this book? I wrote the first book. It was actually a letter to my son on his 20th birthday. It came out when he turned 20. And over the last 10 years, I've had many, many opportunities to really expand on the concepts. And I've taught many more courses. I've worked with many more companies. And I've realized that some of the examples in the book were dated. So I was able to update the examples with much fresher situations that people who are now 20 years old would be able to relate to. And there are a couple new chapters in the book that really expand my thinking, especially chapters about luck. I've spent a lot of time thinking about that and understanding what it is that allows people to really seize opportunities around them. Tina Seelig, the author of What I Wish I Knew When I Was 20, a crash course on making your place in the world. Tina, do you have a website? People can go directly to my own website, which is tinaseelig.com. That's T-I-N-A-S-E-E-L-I-G. People can follow me on Twitter at T. Seelig. And also at Stanford, we have a really amazing collection of resources. It's at ecorner.stanford.edu. And there are thousands of videos and podcasts of entrepreneurial thought leaders that are really inspiring. Well, thank you again for joining us on InfoTrack. My pleasure. Thank you so much. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. Next, how to avoid becoming a victim of food poisoning. That story, coming up. Don't go away. InfoTrack will be back right after this.